Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. I am one of your hosts, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. Uh, this is our second episode of the week. This will replace our usual Monday episode because Sunday is Christmas Eve and obviously Monday is Christmas. So we decided that in today's episode, we'll go a little bit longer than we usually do in our second episodes of the week. Um, and we're going to do a, a Christmas Day preview. We're going to preview all five games that are happening on Christmas Day. We'll give our our, uh, Christmas NBA wishes. Um, And so it'll be a little bit of fun. We'll have a discussion of each game, give some predictions, look silly after Christmas, and uh, we'll move on from there. But before we get started, before we get Corbin on, again, I want to remind you guys that we're brought to you by Draft, um, which is a, a daily fantasy site you guys really have to check out because your chances of winning increase by 80% on draft because it isn't a traditional salary cap site. You actually have to do a live snake draft to build a lineup of five players each day. Um, and this obviously prevents you know these daily fantasy pros from submitting 200-plus lineups and, and beating you every night. Um, so increase your chances of winning. And the best part about draft, um, or the best part about this specific promo is that if you use promo code 94 feet in all caps, you get free entry into a paid contest with your first deposit. And of course you'll help out our website, 94feetreport.com. And of course this podcast, but enough rambling, enough promos. Corbin, how are you doing today? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good. Eric. Ready to get on these Christmas previews. And like you said, look stupid afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's always what we do with predictions. I was just on the And One podcast with Alex West, one of our writers and editors at 94 Feet. And we did our unpopular uh, opinion slash predictions episode for an hour. So I made a bunch of silly claims and predictions for a whole hour. This time I'm only going to make them for single games, but we're still going to look silly regardless. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. So before we... Uh, get started with the actual games um let's do our nba christmas wish and i'll start mine off it's just really quick my christmas wish that's nba related this year is that i want a non-warriors Cavs finals that is my wish i think that seeing it for a fourth straight year it, it just the thought of seeing it for a fourth straight year does not excite me anymore and this is exactly what Alex and I talked about at the very end of the podcast of the end one podcast episode we did on Monday we talked about this how we think that a, a four straight uh, finals between the Warriors and Cavs is not exciting is not interesting or good for the league um, and I get it the Cavs have a different team the Warriors are essentially the same though they've added some role players like Omri Caspi and Nick Young um, but those probably won't you know play a factor into the actual finals uh, and I know the Cavs are different they got Isaiah Thomas Jay Crowder maybe some better you know pieces around there Jeff Green Dwayne Wade and everything like that but I just I don't get excited for a potential Warriors Cavs for the four straight year I think it would be a sweep or maybe like a gentleman's sweep 4-1 for the Warriors and I mean I guess if we have a competitive playoffs unlike last season which is also killer how both teams uh well, the Warriors were undefeated going into the finals, and the Cavs had lost one game going into the finals. So hopefully we don't get that and the same finals matchup. But regardless of how the playoffs themselves play out, I want my Christmas wish is a non-Warriors-Cavs finals. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm actually going to almost directly contradict you in that. I have two like Christmas wishes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little greedy with Santa here. But I want Boogie to make the playoffs this year. I want the Anthony Davis and Boogie right now. They seem to be, you know, right over, right at 500, just maybe I think a game below right now. Just hold on, stay strong, make the playoffs like they did in 2015 with Anthony Davis, get DeMarcus Cousins' first taste of playoff experience, and then let's see where he goes from that, having had 
is his first time out there. It's always different for a player when they make their playoff debut, whether it's in their first year, their second, their seventh, and, and DeMarcus, I think it's his eighth season. It's something different. It's electric. It's, it's just different for a player immensely to go into postseason. And I really wanted to experience that and then go into free agency and make a decision from there that would be best for him. But that's one wish. The second wish I have is I'm just going to acknowledge that we're probably going to – I mean, you already said it as well. We're probably going to get another Cavs-Warriors finals, right? So if we are, I just want to see the Cavs at full strength, and I want to see them win this one. Let the narrative for LeBron James just play out in, in one good – almost like Kobe in 2010 where everything just, you know, was rough. It was tight. But he came out, he finished, and he, and he really – he had already etched himself as, as a legend and as, as just a really um, accomplished NBA player. But that, that 2010 championship, I think, did more for his legacy than, than I think we give credit for. Mm-hmm. And I think that if LeBron – well, the 2016 championship he had – what was big for LeBron. But if he can come back with this roster right here, that means IT gets a ring. That means Jose Calderon, who'd been cut by the Warriors last year, you know, gets gets a chance. That would just be that would be big for me. I would just like to see the Cavs if, if they go to the finals or when they go to the finals, win their matchup against the Warriors. However whatever it, it takes. I, I like that. I specifically like your Boogie Cousins wish. I think I think almost every kind of fan and analyst really wants to see Cousins in the playoffs. We haven't seen it yet. A player of that kind of talent. Uh, and I know I know their team will almost undoubtedly you know maybe be swept or maybe a five game series loss. But just seeing Boogie in the playoffs in that atmosphere. Um, I think everyone's been wishing for that for so many years. When he was on the Kings, they were wishing he was traded to a playoff team so he could actually taste the playoffs. Now that he's on a team that could potentially make the playoffs, and really, if you look at the standings, all the Pelicans have to do is hold off the Jazz, who seem to be injured every week, and the Clippers, who, uh, without Blake Griffin and Gallinari, again, a team that always seems to be injured and just lacks firepower. All the Pelicans have to do is, is you basically hold off those two teams, and, you know, I don't see... The, the Lakers are probably not going to jump up. The Kings are certainly not jumping up to the playoffs. And in the Nuggets, Thunder, Blazers, all those teams are already ahead of the Pelicans. So, really, I'm not saying it's easy, but I think that, you know, them making the playoffs is very reasonable when you consider the two teams that they really just have to hold off. So, I think that's a, a great wish and something I... is a secondary wish for me as well. Okay, see, I'm glad, I'm glad we share our same wish list here, at least <laughs> in one aspect. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so those are our NBA Christmas wishes for this year, or this NBA season, I should say. And, and with that, let's get into uh, the Christmas Day games. We've got five games. We're just going to go in order just for, for, to make it easy. Um, let's start off with Sixers-Knicks. It's, it's in New York um, at Madison Square Garden at 12 p.m. Eastern time, or a pretty early start. Um, Sixers Knicks. What are your initial thoughts on the game, and then you can kind of end end your thoughts with your prediction of who's going to win. Okay, so I mean, my thoughts are well. The first thought I always had is, who would have thought that the Knicks would have a better record right now than the Seventy Sixers? Yeah. Um, the Seventy Sixers are fourteen and seventeen heading into this so far. The Knicks are seventeen and fourteen. And yes, um, the Seventy Sixers have double injury to Joel Embiid at least the last three games of back tightness. He's missed that. The 76ers have lost all those games. Um, they just gave up a 22-point lead yesterday and a career-high 45 points to DeMar DeRozan in, in what was a pretty good game yesterday, but that was demoralizing to see them give that up. And they're currently on a four-game losing streak, having also lost 8-9. So for me, when I see the 76ers, it's like, okay, if Joel Embiid, and right now he's um, – right now Joel Embiid is, is questionable, I, I want to say. I think I've, – I haven't heard too much news that he won't be able to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So – I'm not certain, but my watch ability factor on that is if he plays, I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna watch the NBA fan. But how interested I'll be, I'm not quite sure because 
I don't know. Robert Covington's just been cold. Um, last couple of games that JJ Reddick's missed. They just they're a different team, and 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 Ben Simmons isn't nearly as aggressive or let's say lacking of that killer instinct than he is when he plays with Joel Embiid. You'll see Joel Embiid take over down the stretch and take some shots he shouldn't, and you know force the issue a little bit. But he he at least takes charge in that way. Ben Simmons doesn't really do that, at least on on um. The offensive end, other than bringing the ball and initiating the offense, you don't seem to say, hey, okay, I'm, I'm forcing this. I'm taking this this drive or, or coming in for this layup. We're going with a heat check shot. You know what I mean? You don't really see that. Yeah. So that's for me. And then on the Knicks side, I'm going to keep it quick. But on the Knicks side, I'm looking at it. Porzingis is always a, a good watch, so that's there. But Beasley, Michael Beasley, man. He's just been he's, – he's, he's one of those guys I rooted for. Him and Monte Ellis were my favorite players for the past, I don't know, seven years. It was – Michael, it was Monte Ellis, Michael Beasley, and Kobe in that order. I love Kobe, but those two were people I rooted for when they were first drafted. I was like, oh, they're going to be great. And fast forward 10 years later, and Monte Ellis out the league, and Beasley just entrenched in the bench. But he's been going off the last few games, 30, 23 points, and then 32 points. He's only averaging 11 on the season, but he's been going off. And he's one of those players that when he gets hot, it's almost like when Swaggy P gets hot yeah. or or one of those other heat check guys where it's, it's pretty mystifying to watch. He scored on... I think Nate Duncan said six different Celtics last night. Just a variety of mid-range jumpers and leaning pull-ups and, you know, even a three or two. And, and it's really cool to see him at least come back in this role. Yes, he's 28, almost 29, and he's been in the league 10 years. But if this is who he's going to be, I mean, at least we see it now, you know? Yeah, and whenever he goes off, it's one of the most, like, mystifying and, and fun experiences. I mean, he got MVP chance last night. <laughs> it's <laughs> I know. Just his antics when he oh. when he knows he's hot and can't be stopped for, like, a, a couple minutes stretch. He just, I mean, he plays up with the crowd. He is laughing. You know, so many antics that are just make it even more enjoyable besides, obviously, his great scoring. And, you know, hopefully you can get one of those games like him. And I'll share some of my thoughts on this game because I think, again, you mentioned kind of if Embiid's out, this game could really take a hit in terms of watchability well you know Porzingis came back uh last night against the Celtics he scored one point on, I think 0 of 11 shooting he didn't even play down he didn't play the entire fourth quarter I believe or maybe even the whole second half um so again I mean he, he might still be bothered by something we don't know if he's going to play I, I think he will because they have an, an extra two days yeah two days between now and uh three days actually excuse me until uh, now on Christmas so that's good for him and good for MB. but if MB doesn't play you can pretty much forget about it for the Sixers for two reasons one the Knicks are a great home team after winning last night they're 15 and 5 at home um so they know how to win at home, and obviously they do not know how to win on the road. They're two and nine on the road. So when those road games catch up to them, that's going to be a problem for them. But specifically for this game only, they're at home, so it's not that big of a deal. And going to the Sixers, when Embiid doesn't play, Philly is one and eight without him. So you combine that with the fact that it's in New York. If Embiid doesn't play, you can pretty much forget about it for the Sixers. That's just my opinion. And and these two teams are interesting because same division, but they're pretty much the exact opposites. The Knicks have the 10th ranked offense and the 17th defense, while the Sixers have the 19th offense and 11th defense. So pretty much the exact same, uh, the exact opposite teams in terms of you know what they use to win. Sixers use their defense, Knicks use their offense. Um, but again, this really comes down to the two big men because... I like that you mentioned that when when Embiid's out, Simmons is just kind of less aggressive, but also it's just easier to focus on him because Embiid takes so much attention from the defense. He can stretch the floor. I know he's not shooting well from three this year, but he can shoot the three. But then obviously in the post, he commands double teams, and that opens up other players, especially especially Simmons. So when Embiid's not out there, the more attention and focus on Simmons, especially when guys like Redick are out and Covington are cold. So again, it really comes down to if Embiid plays, um, because if he doesn't, I give them no chance. And because of that, 
because I think he's still going to be dealing with some injury and it's at home, I'm going to predict the Knicks. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I'm right there with you then. The Knicks, the Knicks grab this one. How, do you think it'll be a close game or or you think they get it by, let's say, 10 plus? I think it'll be I think it'll be fairly close just throughout and maybe, you know, in the final four or five minutes they pull away and, and win by like eight or ten. But I think it'll be really close, you know, throughout most of the game. Okay. Cause, okay. I'm 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 in that. Well, because also we've seen I mean, usually the Knicks are usually the, the team that play the first game on Christmas. Um and we've seen, you know, in a lot of games where that start at twelve PM Eastern time, you know. You know, teams are a little bit rusty. It's early, you know, throwing throwing off their schedules. Um, at least their internal body clocks. It kind of throws them off playing at 12 Eastern time. So, you know, that could also lead to a rusty game that could be close throughout. But I think ultimately the Knicks will win it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, especially, like I said, if Joel Embiid plays, though, does that change your perception at all? Uh, if Joel Embiid plays, I still am going to pick the Knicks. But okay, um, and that's only because they're playing at home, really. And the Sixers, you know, even if Embiid comes back, I, I still think he'll either be, you know, maybe a little bit not. I don't want to say fatigue, but just a little bit bothered by his back, maybe, or not as comfortable. But if if Embiid plays and Porzingis doesn't, which I also think is an option because you never know with Porzingis, then I would pick the Sixers. But if both if both the big men play because it's at home, I think the Knicks will uh, will take this one. Okay, I'm with you. I I'm, I agree with you on. The Knicks winning with Joel Embiid out. I do think, however, that if Embiid does play, that'll be even even a, a, a momentary spark for the 76ers. They just seem to be, and they are, as you said, a totally different team when he's there. I think that it would be a really good matchup, and I think the 76ers could pull off an upset if that, if that was the case. I like that. I like that. I mean, I'm hoping Embiid plays. It just makes for a more exciting game. And obviously, him on Christmas, if he's having a big game on Christmas, he'll have a lot of fun with it. So, um, Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's move on to um, arguably the juiciest matchup, though I would argue that there are even, other, even more juicy matchups throughout the day. But just a great overall – I mean, let's just take a step back and, and kind of acknowledge how great uh, this lineup of games is on Christmas Day. I mean, really – there aren't, there isn't really a bad game, unless maybe you would consider Wolves Lakers being a bad game. But you know, it's in LA. You know, the Wolves are one of the more intriguing teams. But we'll get to that later. But I mean, consistently, just great games throughout the day, and and obviously a great game could be between the Cavs and Warriors, the second game of the day at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I'll just share my thoughts uh, and before I swing it to you. So, obviously, it's kind of disappointing because we're not seeing these two teams held a matchup in the potential finals matchup. There's going to be no Steph Curry. There's no Isaiah Thomas. He, he is back playing with their G League team, but he's not coming back to the NBA team until the first week of January. So, that's disappointing. We should get Draymond Green back. He's missed a, a couple of games this week. Um, but the, the thing is that these two teams are, are some of the hottest in the league. The Warriors are on a 10-game winning streak, which we kind of say that almost every other week that they're on a 10-game winning streak. Um, but the Cavs are eight and two in their last 10. I mean, their offense is, is unbelievable. I mean, two great offensive teams. The Cavs are second on offense, and the Warriors are third. And these numbers are per cleaning the glass, uh, which excludes garbage time. So they might be a little bit different than the NBA.com stats. But I think that when you kind of exclude garbage time for some of these teams like the Warriors that have a lot of garbage time, it's just more representative of who they actually are. Um, the only thing is the, the real question with this game, and really whenever you talk about Cavs-Warriors, you almost want to instantly talk about a potential series because we all expect it to be another finals matchup, is can the Cavs defense hold up, especially with guys like Kyle Korver, Jeff Green, Dwayne Wade on the perimeter kind of you know trying to guard this Warriors team. Obviously, there's no Curry, so that kind of helps them out. But even if, even if 
you know, just analyzing the Cavs D against a depleted Warriors or a healthy Warriors. It's all about their defense because they the Cavs do rank 26 on defense while the Warriors rank second. So it's uh, my question is all about the Cavs D. Can it hold up? Um, you know, specifically Kyle Korver's had a great year offensively, but again, he can obviously be a defensive liability. Jeff Green, Dwayne Wade, at this point in their careers, aren't known as their kind of defensive stalwarts, and the Warriors can just run them around, run them through screens, you know, dance on them, um, even when they're depleted. And Kevin Durant's been great without Steph Curry. So because of all that, because I think I have concerns about the Cavs D holding up because it's in Golden State, um, I'm going to go with the Warriors on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on the game um, and your ultimately your prediction? Okay, so I'm actually, this game is, is one of the more, uh, like you said, a great lineup, but this game is also one of the more interesting games to me because of the Warriors not having Steph Curry and, of course, the Cavs not having IT, even though it was rumored that he could have been back and presumably could be technically, even though he won't play, he's healthy enough to have played this matchup. But I agree with you. Um, the defense for the Cavs has been rough, but the bench for the Cavs has, just been, has been great. You know what I mean? It's uh, offensively speaking. Yeah, and I want to see. I mean, the the Warriors bench is is good, but they have momentary laps on defense where you see just just minor, you know, Saggy Pugh forget a rotation. Omri Caspi won't won't rotate all the way. You know, just just momentary momentary slips. But when you have a Dwayne Wade off the bench and what he can do against even uh, uh, as talented uh, a, uh, a bench unit as the Warriors have, Dwayne Wade's been always Dwayne Wade's always had good games against the Warriors the past couple of years from back in Miami even when they were at the peak of their powers and if I remember looking at those games and seeing him just really you know if that mid-range shot is falling just like I said having his one Clay Thompson and 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 Seth Curry on switches just really using that old man game you know yeah so for me I it's, it's one will the bench offense be potent enough to continue to stay with and maybe even surpass Golden State and two how will the um, Cavs defend Kevin Durant because last year they used a lot of Richard Jefferson. They really didn't want to use LeBron James on him. They kept LeBron James as sort of a roamer or stuck him on um, on the opposing power forward usually. But or, or Draymond Green in that case. But how are they going to use him in this one? Because now you do have a Jeff Green who has the length. Um, I'm sure Seti Osman will get his chance. Although that's going to be just not a good matchup. Yeah. I'm sure LeBron James will probably get one or two swipes at him. But how are they going to contain him? Because... For the Warriors, yeah, they, they've been playing very well. Kevin Durant's been going off in Steph Curry's absence, but Kevin Durant is the fulcrum of that offense. So if you cut off the stink at the head or you focus your energy on him, you can contain most of them. You still have to worry about Draymond Green. You still have to worry about Klay Thompson. But without a Steph Curry and with a limited um, Kevin Durant, if you can limit him on offense, they are different players to a, a lesser extent. Yeah, so and, that, that's what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and the other thing is, you know, it's a regular season game, and we we, we like to hype these games up. I'm interested to see. You, you mentioned how much LeBron is on Kevin Durant, even LeBron's just defensive effort, because you know there are there are moments and certain games where LeBron's like, you know what, I'm gonna try as hard as possible, and we're gonna win this game. But then there obviously there are moments and a lot of games where he's like, you know what, this is the regular season, so I'm gonna give like 75 percent effort. So I'm also interested to see LeBron's effort on both ends, um, if he is up to the challenge, and if he really, you know. I think we'll we'll kind of tell early on if he's really into it and if he's kind of really going at Durant um, offensively and defensively. If he's you know picking him up you know purposely on defense instead of having to be switched on to him. So I think that that aspect of LeBron's kind of effort and intensity and focus will be interesting because maybe he thinks that oh Curry's out. You know I know it's Christmas and it's against the Warriors, but you know what I don't have to give up. I'm not going to give a hundred percent because it is just one game out of 82 in the regular season. Um, so that's always an interesting thing to watch with their effort. And yes, I think the one of the interesting subplots is the Cavs bench against 
the Warriors bench or whatever the quote-unquote bench unit for the Warriors is with Curry out. It's a little bit different because they stagger players and insert Livingston and stuff mm-hmm. into the li- starting lineup. But the Cavs bench um, has been really good offensively, so I want to see if that can hold up against a great Warriors defense. Obviously, the Warriors is, are, are second defensively in the league, um, and they just know – I mean, they're just such a well – uh, executed team it's it's really incredible to watch and that's why they're the barrier of, of kind of st- when you play them you kind of know like where you stand in the league pretty much and how close you are to them so I'm interested to see the Cavs bench and LeBron's effort especially on defense those are my two kind of things I'm watching for exactly I'm right there with you and, and will LeBron take this game personal when he does take games personal he tends to want to send out a statement and the Warriors don't miss a chance to send out a statement when they can we saw that in the MLK game last year when they had their rematch and the Warriors really gave it to the Cavs after the Cavs had eked out a, a Christmas game victory that pre that same year, previous year. So I want to see LeBron takes it seriously. Also, um, I'm curious to see what the coaching staff does because obviously they're looking at each other. They see each other clearly as meeting up again during the NBA Finals. So will they show any coaching schemes at all? Will they show any, any switch? You know, you have injuries to Steph Curry, so certain things that you won't be doing there. You have injuries to IT. The, the Warriors don't even know how the Cavs will play with IT there, so you already have something to worry about with that. But are they going to kind of just dance around each other, just do their basic, you know, defensive packages, things of that nature, and just play straight up and, and, and see what happens? Or are they really going to start the feel-out process right now? You know? But ultimately, I think if the Cavs... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sensing LeBron... Is going to have a really, really good game. I think the bench is going to come, especially for the Cavs prepped and, and psyched up. Um, the Cavs are 24-9. The Warriors are 25-6. and six, So this is already a good game matchup-wise. We see them with the records that we kind of expected more or less for these two top teams. I think the Cavs pull out a victory in a 5-8 to eight point spread. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Going with the upset. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, before we move on, and I, I'm predicting the Warriors, but, but I wanted to talk about that uh, quickly. You mentioned, um, will the coaching staff kind of show everything to the other coaching staff? And I think that for the Cavs, they really just can't because they don't have IT at all and they haven't had them yet. So that's like a whole other wrinkle that they have to unlock in the second half. I agree. Uh, in the kind of, well, I guess the remaining two or three, two two thirds of the regular season to to unlock with Isaiah Thomas and with Curry out again, the the Warriors are missing a, a a big component. Obviously, the Cavs have faced the Warriors with Curry, but there are still you know the Warriors will play a little bit differently more through Kevin Durant than than in years past against the Cavs. And uh, again, with the Cavs last year on Christmas Day, they won with uh, Kyrie Irving taking over down the stretch, hitting that shot over Thompson. They don't have that guy to take over. I mean, obviously LeBron can, but they don't have that guard. I mean, obviously they would hope to have Thomas to take over down the stretches of games, but he's not there. So really a lot of emphasis on LeBron and you know Kevin Love has always in the past you know been hit or miss against the Warriors but he's obviously been better um, in recent years and in recent finals um, but again he the Warriors are a team that kind of kind of can exploit Love and, and make him uncomfortable both on the offense and defensive end but again I, I mentioned LeBron's effort on defense and their bench are the two things I'm watching but ultimately I'm going to predict the Warriors because they're playing at home and I know the Cavs are hot but the Warriors are just as hot you know having won 10 straight so I'm going to go with the Warriors. Okay. Okay. And it's gonna be that's gonna be one of the fun games to see in this Christmas slate. Exactly. And and let's move on to the third game of the day, which again, I mean, another really you know really interesting game. Maybe not record wise, the two best teams, but you know teams that have a history. And I'm talking about Wizards Celtics at 5:30 p.m. Eastern time. We're getting into the evening, getting around time for Christmas dinner. So I'm not sure how many people will be watching all this game, but uh, we know these teams had a really good. I don't know if we want to say rivalry because rivalry is kind of a big word that kind of extends. You know, multiple seasons, but last year, in in last season, they had a rivalry. I mean, they had that that skirmish with uh, I think it was uh, Jay Crowder and, and, John, and, and yeah, Jay, yeah. Jay Crowder touching John Wall. I, I, that was fun. And the Wizards, 
the next game, the Wizards showed up in black for a funeral game, and I think they lost that game, which is pretty awkward. Um, and then they had that great seven-game series. It went down to Game 7 in Boston, and somehow, for some reason, Kelly Olynyk was the reason the Wizards were eliminated in the playoffs. Having I think he scored 12 or 14 points in the fourth quarter. But a great series, both in the regular season and the playoffs. And obviously now it's you know it's it's, it's just Christmas. It's, I think it's their first matchup of the year. But uh, the Wizards, you know... They've been, you know, just pretty mediocre, but it's mainly because of injuries. You know, we we know Wall missed about two and a half weeks. Otto Porter's missed a couple of games on the stretch. Um, you know, obviously, I want to give a quick shout out to Mike Scott on the Wizards, who's been really, really good this season, kind of flying under oh, the radar. Goodness. I mean, he has career highs in efficiency, shooting very well from the field. I think he's shooting over 41% from three. Um, I think he's putting up a career high in points per game. Uh, he's been really good for them in kind of an unexpected role. I mean, when they signed him in the offseason to a veteran's minimum, almost... No, you had to really search for to to hear news and announcement about that signing. That's how under the radar it was. But he's been really good for them in a pretty big role, um, and he could be crucial down the stretch as a guy who can switch defensively. You know, he was guarding LeBron James um, when the Wizards play the Cavs on uh, on Sunday, um, and he was doing a pretty decent job. Obviously, you know, it's LeBron, so it's hard to guard him at all. But you know, Mike Scott has that body, has that length. He's physical enough, and he's not afraid to go at people. So he he might play a key role in this game. But you know, I'm looking at the Celtics. A team that's just five and five in their last ten games. They lost to the Knicks last night with, with Porzingis really not playing very well and barely playing at all. And, and obviously Michael Beasley went off. Um, the Celtics with, still have the third defense, which is great. The twelfth offense, which is like it, which is improving, but their defense has been slipping in recent weeks. Obviously that's leading to their five and five record. And for the Wizards, you know, despite their pretty mediocre record, I mean, if you look, the Wizards are only seventeen and fourteen, which is good but not great. But they do have the eleventh offense and the seventh defense, so they're they're almost top 10 on both sides of the floor, which is kind of what I would consider a mark of an elite team. So despite their record being pretty hit or miss because of the injuries, they're, I would consider them a pretty elite team when you look at their stats on both ends of the floor. But um, ultimately, I think this game really comes down to if the Celtics can kind of shake their funk, you know, 5-5 five and five is, is not good for a team of, of their caliber. They're just one and a half games above the Raptors, who are, are not playing on Christmas, but are one of the hottest teams in the league. And I figure we'll talk about them in a later podcast episode, maybe next week. But, um, you know, the Celtics, at, with their 13-4 and four home record, I think, might be the key to this game. And that's why I'm going to go with the Celtics. You know, usually when it comes down to these games, I pick the home teams a lot. Um Watch me again. The reason why you make predictions and look silly afterwards is because you make the wrong prediction. But I'm going to stick with the Celtics because of their home record. And, you know, the Wizards have been good. And maybe they take this game a little bit more personally based on last year's playoff series. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see a Wizards pull it out with a win if they're healthy. Um, but I think ultimately I'm going to go with the Celtics to shake their funk a little bit and win at home. Okay, I'm with you on that. I think the Celtics will pull it out ultimately. But I am worried just because, well, especially because of um, Kyrie Irving's defensive issues. The last couple of games, this has been horrible. He has a, he currently has a 116.9 defensive rating over the last five games. That ranks 350th in NBA during that span. Yeah. And you remember in that win over the Nuggets, basically they were just trading baskets. Um, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, and, and, and Kyrie. Just, just, just back and forth. And then they played the Jazz, I think, what? A couple days after, I think it was two nights afterwards. And then Ricky Rubio, who averages, what, 12 points a game, went off for 22 points on 10 of 15 shooting. Like, Rubio doesn't shoot. He doesn't score. Like, come on, man. And he was just getting to his favorite spots on the floor. He was getting layups. It was it was, it was was just crazy. And Irving seemed confused every time he was hit with a screen, every time he was, was being tra- trapped by screeners. He just – he seemed out of place. And then, of course, when they played the Pacers, I mean, Oladipo just – 
just was salivating every time they had a one-on-one matchup between the two of them. He finished with 38 points and 13 for 23 shooting from the field. And then even Collison went off for 15 points and two three-pointers in just 24 minutes. So, you know, Kyrie's regressing back to that mean defensively of, you know, he, he's going to get his points and the Celtics are going to get some wins and he's going to look good doing it. But defensively, he's just going to give up just as much as he's getting. And so now you bring that up against John Wall? I mean, I don't know. And then and then if you if you get caught in a switch or something in the Bradley Breal, like, you can't hide Kyrie because after that, the matchups are just too tall. You know, Otto Porter or, or Kelly Oubre Jr., they're just too big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, when the Wizards bench comes in and you have, you know, um, play, lesser players who, who, who aren't offensive threats, then you'll be okay. But Kyrie is mostly going to be matched up with the starters. And so I feel having that glaring a defensive hole in a rock solid defense that Brad Stevens holds could be an issue. But, yeah, the way the, the Celtics have been playing, they're due for a bounce-back game. Um, the Wizards have been very up and down. Um, it seems they've been that way since they talked all that talk during their interview w- with the Cavs about how oh, they're the team that everyone's scared of and everything. And then, I mean, you're 17 and 14. Uh, you're tied with the Knicks in a record. I don't know if anyone's scared of you. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good game to see. I want to see. I think Bradley Beal will sort of be the X factor, ultimately, for the Wizards. And for the Celtics, I'm thinking Al Horford. I mean, how will he match up? He had a really interesting playoff series against him last year. How will he match up with... Um, against Gortat, against Markeith Morris, you know, just will he will he impose his will? Will he be a little more forceful on the offensive end? And and Kyrie's going to get his, but will he be able to slow down John Wall and um, Bradley Beal in the backcourt, whoever he's matched up against? But ultimately, I'm with you. I think the Celtics just have just enough overall talent and, and, and a better scheme. I think they win it by, I want to say, six or seven. You know, honestly, I after hearing you talk about it and thinking about it myself, I think I'm changing my prediction to Wizards. Oh, I got, I swayed you, and I didn't even sway myself. Oh my <laughs> well, I was, you know, I was listening to it, and I was looking it up, and I looked in the past ten games, the Celtics have the 17th ranked defense and a net rating of, my, of minus 2.3, which is not good at all. Um, and the, and during this stretch, and this is since December 6th. The Wizards have the fifth-ranked defense, so you know I, I'm looking at it. I'm I'm thinking, hmm, you know, John Wall likes to take some of these matchups against the best point guards and best backcourts and best teams. Personal, um, the Wizards probably take this one a little bit more personal based on last year's playoff series and last year's regular season. Um, you know, losing to the Celtics, um, I think that they come in here and you know again. People are underlooking them because of their 17 and 14 record, which is mainly due to the the injuries. Because as I mentioned, 11th offense, seventh defense, those are you know really good marks. Um, I think the Wizards come in there and make a statement win, and and, and potentially can go on a run um, from using this win to kind of bounce themselves back into the comfortable top four or top five. Uh, in the Eastern Conference. I think that they're definitely below the tier of Celtics, Raptors, Cavs. But between that, you get Pacers, Bucks, Wizards, Pistons, Knicks, and maybe you want to throw in the Heat. I mean, honestly, when you get, you know, four through eight really is, is very close right now, but also I think will continue to be close throughout the season. Um, so I think that the Wizards, I'm talking to myself into the Wizards, picking a road team. Um, I'm going to talk myself into the Wizards winning on the road in Boston because of, you know, I think we... I think most of us knew that the Celtics were playing a little bit above their heads when they went on that. You know, they started, they were 0-2, and then they went on, I think it was like a 14- or 16-game winning streak. And, you know, since then, they've been, you know, good, not great. Obviously, 5-5 and in the last 10. The defense has fallen off significantly, as I just mentioned, 17th in the past two weeks. Um, So I think that, you know, they're kind of just reverting back to, you know, a good team that's really good on most nights, but is not 
great like we thought they would be when they started the season. And that's why I think the Wizards' record doesn't really reflect how good they've actually been on both ends of the floor. And because this is against the Celtics, against Kyrie, which will pump up John Wall and Bradley Beal, hopefully Otto Porter's healthy, um, I'm going to go with the Wizards on the road. Okay. I mean, I wish I – just for the sake of, of disparity and, and, and just putting up a – a resolute stance. I'm going to continue with the Celtics, but having heard what you said and having said what I said, I I definitely see where you're coming from, and I'm I'm starting to go. Yeah, that that, that does make quite a bit of sense. Yeah. So uh, that that is honestly, I mean, I'm really interested for Cavs Warriors and, and the game we're talking about next. But Wizards Celtics, I think it's going to be that it's going to be that sneaky game that I think is really entertaining and and people are kind of overlooking because it's sandwiched between Cavs Warriors and. Our next game we're going to talk about, Rockets Thunder at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I think this is, I don't want to say the most interesting game of the day, but I think it's up there right at the top, maybe tied with Cavs, Warriors, and and Wizards, Celtics, because I'm a little bit hesitant to say it'll be a great game because of two reasons. One, I think the injuries and fatigue factor for the Rockets will really kill them. I mean, there's a potential for the Rockets to be missing Luke Babamute, Clint Capella, and Chris Paul in this game, and if that happens, I mean... Does anyone give them a shot to win? I know they have James Harden and shooters, but if you're missing three of your top seven or eight guys, you know that's a problem. Um, and because oh, oh, but yeah, go ahead. I'll tell. You, I'm sorry. I'm gonna let you know against against this Thunder team. I would still give you a shot, man. You could have Mike D'Antoni start shooting guard, and with the way these Thunder team plays down the stretch defensively, yeah. But but continue, man. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, no, I, I mean I mean totally. But uh, and I'll get to the Thunder in a second, but. Uh, the other thing is because of these injuries, I mean, the Rockets play tonight against the Clippers, and we're recording this, by the way, on, on Friday, um, around it's around noon Eastern. Um, the Rockets play tonight against the Clippers. Capella, Mbamute, and Paul are out. or Capella's doubtful, but he's most likely going to be out. And Paul and Mbamute have already been declared out. So they're going to be shorthanded, and they've been shorthanded for a while. And the Rockets lost to the Lakers on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday. Um, and I tweeted out instantly... Uh, well, not instantly, but you know, an hour or so after, I looked up. I looked it up, and, and Trevor Ariza has played 41 minutes or more in the past four straight games. And James Harden played, I think, 43 minutes in that game, and Eric Gordon played, I think, 37. And, and those are all well above what they should be playing and what they have been averaging for the season. And you think about it, the Rockets are this team, and, and people obviously slander Mike D'Antoni for playing his guys too much. And you know, it's always hard for fans and analysts on the outside to know because sometimes it really is the players just wanting to play um and you know that kind of forces the coach to you know do you really say no you can't play in the deep and the player gets annoyed or you just you know let the player play and just play too many minutes and risk injury but the thing with the rockets is they have a really good to great nine-man rotation right the starting lineup paul harden ariza anderson capella and this is when they're healthy that starting lineup uh, supported by Gordon, Mabamute, Tucker, and Nene off the bench, and sometimes Tariq Black when Nene is resting. That's a really great nine-man rotation. If you look past that, they've got almost nothing. I mean, Troy Williams has shown some kind of 3 and D potential in the past, but even he's been out with his own injury um, in recent weeks. And then you get to guys like Jao Chi and Bobby Brown, and, you know, guys you're not going to play in, in the regular season unless it's garbage time. And if you are playing them, that means, you know, something's really bad has happened. And for the Rockets, that means when they have, even when the Rockets have two injuries, that means they're playing these guys, they're, they're, you know, seven-man rotation, you know, 40 minutes a game. And, and that's not good for the regular season. And that's why I think that the injuries and the fatigue will catch up to the Rockets in this game. And I'm going to go with the Thunder with the, to win this game because, one, they're playing at home, which is where they're, 
much better. I mean, the, the Thunder are 11 and four at home and five and 11 on the road, so they they know how to win home games. We saw them destroy the Warriors in Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago, and I know the Thunder have been really ugly to watch. They have the 21st ranked offense, and it's really just ISO ball, your turn, my turn. It's not fun, but they do have the number one ranked defense in the in the league according to Cleaning the Glass, which is you know defense can win games, and I know it's going to be it might be a really ugly game, and I know the Rockets are fun to watch, but. You know, I know I'm rambling here, but I think the injuries to the Rockets, if they miss all those three players I mentioned, plus, you know, the guys who have to probably play 40 minutes like Ariza and Harden and, and Gordon and how much can Ryan Anderson play and, you know, relying on Nene and, and Tyreek Black is, it could be a concern against a physical Thunder defense. Um, so ultimately, I'm going to go with the Thunder. Okay, I, I, I agree because the, the injuries to the Rockets are at this time rather substantial and those that do play will no doubt be a little worn down by all the heavy minutes that they have played. I, I, I'm concerned about Thunder only because they find a way sometimes. They always find a way to just kind of go cold down the stretch. Paul George has been talking about how he's had tightness in his shooting arm for a while now, and that's been contributing to his shaky shooting. Um, I will say Russell Westbrook has been way more efficient the last couple of games. I think he shot 50% two, two games ago. He shot 50% from the field. It's the first time he did that since the season opener versus New York where he got shot at least 50% from the field, so that was good. And Melo's been actually taking less shots. I think he only had, I think it was eight shots a couple of nights ago. And he said, that, you know, if the team wins, he doesn't mind. And so far, I buy that. But it's you see small yet substantial um, signs that maybe they are trying to buy into Billy Donovan's plan of, of sharing the ball just a bit more and trying to trust, trust each other. Patrick Patterson rounding into form has not hurt either. And he's been playing very well. I mean, you saw from back when he played um, against Philly, you know, knocking down some key threes and then coming up with this super huge block to seal the deal. But he's often playing well. And I think with their bench unit just doing how they've been, Jeremy Grant's been solid and having a, a unified offense. If they can even put together a half cohesive offense for three quarters without even going back down to their, um, you know, your turn, my turn style of ball. I think the, the Thunder could win that's going away. Now, if they do struggle with that and they are either A, cold, or or B, just really just trying to take it one-on-one every time, then I think the Rockets do have a chance just because their style is, A, threes or busts. Like, threes are to the rim. You know what I mean? And threes are always the great equalizer. So, over time, I think that would work, and the Rockets do have players who could bomb away. But, yeah, at this time, they're they're really just hampered, um, injured, and shorthanded. And if the Thunder are playing um, rock-solid defense and happy, decent offense, I think they'll get this. But this is one of the more interesting games to me. I think this one is right there with me with Cass and Warriors, one of the games that I'm definitely going to be like tuned into. This is um, – I wish they were all fully healthy. I wish we had Chris Paul in it. I wish that um, you know Clint Capella could be there and match up against Steven Adams. That would have been a really good matchup in the 10 position just because of the way they play and just – the big bruising, you know, Stephen Adams and the way that Clint Capella rim rolls and really just reinvent himself and really improved all major facets of his game. I mean, if it wasn't for Victor Oladipo, I might have him as most improved player. But, you know, ultimately, we have what we have here. Um, and I think Thunder will pull it out. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's what I, I mean. It's really I think it's gonna, it's just gonna be very disappointing that they're not going to be healthy. I think what I think what is likely is Capella is going to be out. Uh, tonight on Friday, and that would have get, and he didn't play Wednesday, so that'll give him over a week. He last played on Monday, and then Christmas Day is obviously this upcoming Monday. So I think that it's possible and, and p- perhaps likely that Capella will play Christmas Day, but I think it's very likely that Paul and Mbamute are, are not going to play, and that's obviously huge. Chris Paul, second best player on the team, um, and Mbamute is under the radar in importance. So the Rockets are sixth defensively for the year, but. 
Um, according to NBA.com, since Mbamute went down, and he went down last Wednesday on the 13th, so since then, the Rockets have had the 24th ranked defense. And so obviously not that's not all on Mbamute's absence, but he is obviously a very good defender, plays a big role. He plays like 20, 25 minutes a night on depending on the on certain matchups. And a combination of him going down and other players going down and more fatigue, and obviously that, that hurts your defensive effort. But since then, 24th ranked defense is something to watch. Can the And the, obviously the Thunder offense is... I wouldn't say the Thunder offense is really hard to stop. They've got great, you know, one-on-one scores, but you know, as a scheme, it's not really hard to stop. But the Rockets, again, defense has struggled, and they're playing a lot of minutes and have a lot of injuries. So something to watch is the Rockets' defense against a, a Thunder offense that's still trying to get comfortable and still obviously trying to improve. It is only 21st ranked, but again, again, it's disappointing that it's not you know two teams that are healthy. I mean, the Thunder will be mostly healthy, but the Rockets will clearly be missing a couple of key players, and that's why I think I'm going to go with the Thunder at home to win this one. Okay, hey, we, we look like we're kind of even up here heading to the nightcap. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's get to the final game, 10.30 Eastern time. You know, for me on the East Coast, this is like the, this is the time of the day where it's like I've watched, you know, the majority of four NBA games, and I'm like, hmm, you know, I'll, I'll tune in, but I'll have the game on in the background for the most part because of such a long day it's been. But Wolves-Lakers, 10.30 Eastern time. Again, a team, again, we just talked about the Rockets and, you know, the heavy minutes they play. And that can come down and cost the Wolves down the stretch of the regular season and in the playoffs, those heavy minutes burden that, that Thibodeau is, you know, always known for. Um, but unlike the Rockets, who, who actually have a good defense, you know, when healthy and when engaged, the Timberwolves just don't. They still have the 25th ranked defense. And uh, B-Ball Breakdown, uh, Coach Nick for B-Ball Breakdown had a great video um, that he posted a couple days ago. I think it might have been yesterday about Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Riggins as one of the worst defensive duos in the league. And it was really enlightening. A lot of examples, uh, you know, actual film examples of, of, of just how bad they are. Their defensive awareness and, you know, the footwork is, is sloppy. And, you know, again, they're young players, but you would have thought that under Thibodeau for a second year, you would have thought there would be a more improvement than this. But so far, they're still, you know, terrible defensively. And the reason they win games and the reason why the Wolves are on the 4C with a 19-13 and 13 record is because of their fifth-ranked offense. I mean, obviously, they got so many great offensive players. Towns, Butler, um, Jeff Teague's a good offensive player. You know, obviously, Andrew Wiggins can help out here or there, um, though he's been pretty inefficient so far. But that offense is really carrying them. But again, you know, when they want to win, down the stretch of the regular season, and especially in the playoffs, they need that defense to step up and improve. And I don't think the heavy minutes is going to help them down the stretch. Um, Talking about this game specifically, um, you know, the Lakers had a very good win against the Rockets. They shot, you know, lights out. Kyle Kuzma took over. It was very nice to see. Um, oh, yeah. They, they still have the 28th-ranked offense, but they do have the 10th-ranked defense, which I don't think anyone would have expected coming into the season. And that 10th-ranked defense is very impressive. And, you know, playing at home and you have a good defense, obviously the Wolves present a, a tough challenge with the 5th-ranked offense. Um, but I think that... Also, the Wolves' 25th ranked defense is a way for the Lakers to kind of improve their offensive um, efficiency, especially, you know, guys like Kuzma um, can probably take over as well, and they can kind of isolate against Carl Anthony Towns and get him on switches and, and things like that. Um, now, I do I did talk a lot about positives about the Lakers. I do think, though, that the Timberwolves will win this game. I, I think that it'll be—I think it'll be closer than people expect— um, I think that the Lakers will be competitive at home on Christmas Day. Um, and I think that the Wolves, you know, pretty bad defense will help the Lakers. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the Wolves to pull it out. Wow. I can't. Well, actually, I can. You're, you're being objective here. I'm going to say Lakers because you know me. I'm a Lakers fan. We're going to find a way. And, and that's the important thing. We're going to find a way to do it. However, I am worried because our offense, we had a really good game. Well, not we, the Lakers, my fault. 
The Lakers had a really good game a couple of days ago against the Rockets, and Kyle Kuzma did go off, man. It was it was electric to see the footwork, the jump shot, everything. It, it was it was really good. But um, at the same time, with with the the way our defense is, and it's been stout, but do we have the the one? If we if it goes down to stretch, let's say you know it's getting tight, I still worry that we have the best of creators to kind of give the ball to on offensive end. Kuzma, we've been going to, and that's great. But, you know, it, it hasn't been a, um, a surefire thing. You know what I mean? He's not the clear-cut, oh, give the ball to Kuzma. Um, Luke Walton has a kind of more open approach to it, I guess, in, in that way. Um, you know, and then we have Lonzo's been playing well. I like that, and it's been good. And I want to see the matchup between him and Jeff Teague. I really do. And I also want to see what Luke Walton does with Julius Randle. I feel he's been underutilizing Julius, and you can see in the way that he plays that he he's getting a little annoyed. You know, and the body language is all off, and I'm 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 not sure how's going to work. But that game, I'm definitely going to be tuned into. I I said the Lakers would win. I'm also not giving you any reason how, <laughs> so I'm going to go back on that. And obviously, rationally, I think that the Wolves will just because I don't see anyone really there stopping Jimmy Butler down the stretch, and, and lately he's been. He's, I mean, when it, when the going gets tough, you know, Jimmy gets buckets. So that's been good. And then also Carlton D. Towns down there. You know, we've started Andrew Bogut, and we do have, you know, um, Larry Nance and then Kuz and Julius Randle when Luke Walton decides to play him. But on that end, who's going to kind of stay in that way to really slow Carlton D. Towns down? And also who's going to get on the boards and battle with Taj Gibson for a long stretch of the time? And, and I think, you know, we have enough – length to get in front of Andrew Wiggins, but that could be the game where, you know, he decides to go off. Even though our defense has been surprisingly stout, we are known to certain breakdowns of, of, of some players, you know what I mean, where, hey, they haven't been hot per se, and, and Wiggins has been just torrid in, in in a bad way down the stretch, but I could see him surprising us and going off for like 20 to 25. So ultimately, I, I think it's going to be a rather, I don't know, I think between fatigue on the Wolves' end and maybe a little regression on the Lakers' end because we have had a good defense, but I do expect a high-scoring game. And although I said the Lakers, I was really just kidding. I think the Wolves will win probably by five points. Yeah. But, you know, I had to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing with the Lakers is that in that win against the Rockets, I mean, Kuzma shot 7 of 10 on threes. Um, they shot as a team 43% on threes. And for the season, they're the worst three-point shooting team in the league at, 30, say, at 33%. They literally shot 10% better on threes. And they also attempted 35, which is more than the 27 they usually attempt per game. So it was one of those games where it's like, how much do you take out of this? And obviously the Rockets' defense was uh, – the effort was uh, subpar, to say the least. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what happens when you play Trevor Reza 45 minutes and, and Harden 43 minutes and Tucker 35 and Gordon 36. I mean, just the minutes load is, again, why I think that the Rockets will struggle against the Thunder. But speaking of this game, I do agree that – I think this game is a little bit tricky to predict. And I think it will be high scoring despite the Lakers having a, a, a top 10 defense. And the Wolves' defense is, you know, a real problem. And the Lakers' offense is not great. But, you know, I think – that playing Randall could help. Randall only played eight minutes against the Rockets, and I'm on Randall Island, so I want to see more Julius Randall. Um, but I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the Lakers will be feisty. Their defense will help out a little bit, and the Wolves' bad defense will help the Lakers offensively. But ultimately, I think that the Wolves just have more talent and will pull out a win on the road. I have to agree with you, man. And you made that much more eloquent sounding than me, so I'm, I'm totally there with you. <laughs> um, 
And, and for the Lakers, I mean, just a side note that that KCP is is in jail and then gets released to go to practice and to play games, but then after them has to go back to jail is one of the funniest sub stories of the season. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous if you think about it. <laughs> you, you, you notice I didn't mention KCP. That was for a reason. I stopped. You're gonna hear it. I stopped for a split second and was gonna mention KCP, and I said, no, don't do it, Corbin. I was sharing it with my mom yesterday. I said, imagine that. I said, you know, oh, mom, just going to the game. Oh, gotta be back in jail by six. Like, dude, how do you do that? Like, it's honestly that's so crazy. Fun. And but... we can't play road games because he can't leave the state. Um, so that's why he didn't play <laughs> against the Rockets. But he, he's gonna be playing, but he's gonna be coming from jail, which is honestly one of the funniest and weirdest. Present. Yeah, it's one of the funniest and weirdest <laughs> sub stories of the uh, of the season. So, all right, well, that'll wrap up our Christmas Day preview. Um, again, we previewed all the games. Um, we'll be back. Um, not on Christmas with our usual segmented episode, but maybe later in that week with our kind of unedited freak flowing episode. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. You can follow our website and show on Twitter at the 94 feet report and check out the website at 94 feet report.com. Um, Corbin, why don't you throw out where people can follow you uh, before we go? Uh, Corbin Ford NBA at Twitter. Um, just check me out there, man. All right, guys. Uh, Hope you guys have a great Christmas. Of course, great time watching these games. You can keep in mind what our predictions are, and then you can uh, kind of you know laugh at us when we get all of them wrong. Hopefully we don't. <laughs> um, but honestly, guys, have a great weekend and have a great Christmas day of watching NBA games. Take care.